With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Strategast Comedy after Manchester United progress in the FA Cup after beating Aston Villa 1-0. It wasn't convincing. I'm joined by Sean Connolly, a writer at strategynews.com. Sean, how are you and how, what did you make of the game the performance? Hey, Dale. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me on board again. I suppose the game followed a, a similar pattern to the last couple of months, really. I think the one differential from this game to, we'll say, Wolves in the matches before, we actually started half decent. I think we've been starting very, very slow in recent weeks, particularly against Wolves. We, I, I, I expected a, a very, very fast start and we came out, out of the blocks very slow. I think we actually started the opposite against Villa. Um, people will probably put that down to Villa starting slow as opposed to us starting fast. But um, we came out of the blocks good. I think the, the switch to the, the two wide players, bringing Rashford out left and Greenwood out right to begin with, I mean, immediately paid dividends and gave us an opportunity and an avenue to be able to switch the ball out left and right. Um, and I suppose we got the goal from that very early on, but ultimately then as recent weeks have, have, have shown, we kind of fell back into our old ways and um, became a very, very uh, tough spectacle. Went from one of being end to end to kind of United hanging on. And uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, We were very lucky to get through, I think. I don't think when when Ragnick says he wants when he says he wants to control games, I don't think it, it's the same mean as, as Mourinho. I think he he expects that games will be kind of back and forth. Other teams will get chances, but the transition needs to improve. The way United press needs to improve, and I think against Villa, there was phases of the game 
in which you could see that there's the players are starting to press. It's not perfect. No one expects it to be perfect, but it needs to be better. And the way I described it on the on the newsletter this week was depressing rather than gegen pressing. It's still not quite right, but I think against Villa, although the performance itself wasn't great, there was some signs, Sean, that the players are carrying out what Ragnick is asking them to do. Because no, in, the, in, in the days prior to that, it was met with just constant media speculation of crisis in the dressing room. It went from 11 players wanting to leave the club to 17. And mm-hmm. it was just, it looked like Ragnick had walked into an absolute disaster. Now, the players responded to the, resu- to the defeat against Wolves. They progressed in the FA Cup. Performance wasn't great. But I don't think there was as many players in that game that you, you could say didn't work hard. The players there didn't play well. But in terms of working, I definitely saw it against Villa. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, look, I, there's, there's a couple of things you've touched on there. And I mean, I largely agree with all of them. Um, I mean... We're not seeing the famous gig in person, but I mean, you can't be deluded enough to to think that a man is going to come in on Monday and by Wednesday, everything is going to have changed. Mm. These things take time. And also with the uh, transition of one coach and, and, and backroom staff to another, things will often regress further before you can actually see progression. I thought in, like you said, in periods against Villa, we 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 controlled the ball. We, we, we did press um, in other periods. We fell off, but there was signs and, and ultimately we got the results. It was painted very much as though we were under the, under the, under the cuff for the full game and that we were incredibly fortuitous to come out of it. Now, it wasn't, not, that's not completely the case though, is it? No, no, it's not. Because look, I mean, I'm not going to tear back on what I said. I feel there is an element that we were lucky to get through. But then in, in, in uh, looking at it from the complete perspective of 90 minutes, Villa had a couple of clear-cut chances. Um, so did we, you know. There were several moments like where, I mean, obviously the most talked about one where Greenwood broke down the right, Rashford in the centre, and you had the, the scenario of him not squaring it to Rashford for an easy tap. And um, we had plenty of opportunities. And I think there was plenty of moments whereby we did press and we did look good. Um, it was pressing in moments. And touching on what you said about players not trying, um, I mean, obviously... Scolzi has uh, come under the on, 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 under the fire there for uh, I suppose something that's been naturally taken out of uh, context and what he said totally, but he too during that particular passage of conversation said that you can't really look at this group of players and say that they're not trying because they are trying. It's just you get to the stage of whether or not they're good enough, and um, yeah, I mean, look, <sighs> paper never refuses ink, though. And the media love a good story about Manchester United. So 11 turns 17, could be 23 by tomorrow. Um, it's just, it's, it's whatever's going to sell, sell, sell articles and sell stories. You know that yourself. Another big topic from the game were, well, Villa had one goal disallowed, which was rightly, well, no one can complain about it with the offside. But the, the, yeah. the main talking point was the VAR incident, which took about, almost four minutes to, to come to a conclusion. Um, for me, it was pretty clear. I know they spoke about the reason being that Cavani was blocked while Villa were taking the corner, and um, that was the reason why the goal was, was ruled out. But for me, Danny Ings was, was clearly in an offside position when he put the ball into the back of the net. So I couldn't understand why it was taking three to four minutes to come to a decision. Not only that, 
VAR didn't make the decision. They asked Michael Oliver to go over to the touchdown area and check the monitor. Yeah. It didn't need yeah. to go to that. No, um, no. But for you, for you, was there any doubt in your mind? Were you thinking they were going to give it? or? Well, well, yeah, there's always that bit of doubt. You can always think that they're going to go against Dion logic. Dion Dublin fucking thought it should have been given. He was saying it was a surge. And I was like, is he watching know, the same incident as I me? I know. I know. And, and, and you know what I find with VAR, and particularly with that moment, uh, like ignore the Cavani part of it and just look at the ball going into the back of the net. Um, I think it was, wasn't it? Uh, Watkins, two ings, or in that sort of passage play. Mm. And they got a camera angle where they were sort of, Dion Dublin was talking and saying, I don't think it's touched him. Has it touched him? And they got it from one angle. And, and it's clear to me now, the ball clearly touched Watkins' foot and passed on to ings. And then they looked for an alternative angle that put it into disrepute. And you're looking at it saying, look, your job is just to find whether or not the goal can stand or not, not to yeah. give the referee a headache, you know. Yes. And I find that VAR do that far too often. They've all these different cam angles to work with. They find one that clearly shows what they're looking for and then say, you know what, let's find another one that doesn't. It and doesn't. you're looking at, yeah. you know, and, and it's three. And four, you would, all, and you would always find an angle, no matter if you see the clearest sending off in a match. Mm. Yeah. You will possibly be able to find an angle where it doesn't look so bad. Or yep. you can slow down the motion and the tackle doesn't look so bad or, or so on, or it looks worse. Um, you're right, 100% right. They overcomplicate it. And that's why it takes yep. so fucking long. You, yep. I can make a decision after two or three replays on most occasions. And so can they. Mm-hmm. That was a really clear one, I thought, that I didn't need to go on that long. And I can imagine... Imagine we'd on the, the the other end of that where you score a goal and you're sat in the stands and you're waiting there four minutes. Four minutes is a fairly long time in the cold. Oh, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Like, I mean... What what, what are people doing? I, 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 I do not know. And there's people paid to do this there. That's, that's the funniest thing about this. I mean, look, I will say in this instance, it, it, it was great that Gerard had to stand through four minutes of that. Yes, that was fantastic. That's the but <laughs> but um, the, 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 the thing is with it, it's 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 ludicrous the way that they're going, and then and then to 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 go through that and to put themselves into such a muddle by saying camera A looks good, camera B we're not so sure about. You go down and have a look at it, and actually forget about that. Let's just completely focus on something different, you know. And you're going oh, for the love, like you know, they have so many cameras and they have so much money invested in the infrastructure to be able to make a, a simple decision. I mean, you and I sitting at home can see this, you know, and you got guys that they're 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 paid to make this decision, and it's. I don't know, it sucks the love out of the game and it kills momentum. Now, it has, has obviously, to be said too that Gerard didn't come out afterwards and, and complain about it. He, he, just, he just basically said that the, the duration, how long it took, was yeah. just crazy. Um, so he was in the right. pretty much. Like, he's right. It, 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 it did take too long. Um, but ultimately, we, we were very happy with it. It aided us in progressing to the next round. But a, a, yes, special, a special mention, again, has to go to David De Gea, who I just mm-hmm. think at the moment is the complete dog's bollocks. Um, yeah. e- every game he's saving us, we're so over-reliant on him, which, let me get to it, because I don't think it's a bad thing to, to, to be reliant on a goalkeeper. Well, it is. It's not, it's not a bad thing to have a goalkeeper you can be reliant on, but it's a bad thing that every week you are reliant on the goalkeeper. If consistent months your goalkeeper is voted player of the month it's happened yep. in, in November it's happened in December and it's probably going to happen again in, in January 
So we're looking at another season where the Hale probably get player of the year. Great, great for him. And it's great too that this is a player last season. So many people were writing off and suggesting that he was past it. But right now, I'd, I'd argue we've one of the best goalkeepers in the world. But 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 Sean, against Villa, again, Ragnick said that he he'd argue, he was unbelievable, he'd say, but he'd argue that United are just giving away too many chances. The Hale is having too many saves to make easy. So basically, he's he's part of the conversation, but you don't really want him to be the focus. No, you do not. Of course not. And even go, go back several years when he was, I mean, I think considered by most to, to be the greatest goalkeeper in the world, like the, well, at least the greatest shot stopper in the world. And, and in, I mean, the amount of player of the, the year awards that he won. I mean, it's, as you said, it's fantastic for him. It's, 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 it's just rewards for his amazing performances, just like the player of the month awards. But it really, really highlights the fundamental issues that are at play at the club at the moment. And obviously, a goalkeeper is there to 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 stop the ball going in the net, and he's doing it as good as anybody, if not better than anybody in the world at the moment. So I'm delighted to have him there. Um, I mean, I myself wrote an article last year um, comparing De Gea and Henderson, obviously statistically, and what I was looking at, and he looked a, a shadow of himself. But it just goes to show that this, I suppose, that all form form his temporary class is permanent isn't it yeah. you know he's 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 outstanding um but yes it's, it's pretty misfortunate for for henderson because is, yeah. coming into this season um he was in the frame and i think he would have started the season in goal if it wasn't for covid19 and and, and yeah. his recovery um what happened then was we're talking about the hay and being unbelievable got back to his best form so there's not really a route in for henderson Jonathan Strager, a friend of Stratty News, tweeted last night that Henderson is more than likely going to leave in January on loan because he's committed to Manchester United, which is good news because I was kind of fearful that with this, that he might decide that, right, my time at this club has come to an end. It's time to now move on. But fortunately, that doesn't seem to be the case because I do think eventually Henderson can become first choice at Manchester United. It's just a matter of, of when. Um, and with the Gea, if he continues this form, we're probably looking at another two or three years as, as, with him as first choice. Now, that's a long time for Henderson, but can we send him on a, a two-year loan spell and to come back and then, and then become first choice maybe at the end of this season? Because it's unlikely mid-season that, that would happen. But I, I do like the sound of him going on loan and not giving up on his time at Manchester United. Yeah, well, he needs he needs first team football, particularly when when you're talking about the national team and and you're talking about World Cup and, and international tournaments. Like he he wants to be in the in the reckoning for that, you know. I mean, people need to to look at the, at the broader picture. Like Henderson got this enormous contract. Like he's he's like top ten paid goalkeepers in Europe at the moment, isn't he? And um, he got this enormous contract. And people need to realize the commercial value to our wonderful owners with that, because this contract that he got increases the valuation of the market of the football club. So it, it, the owners don't care that he's getting that money. This is more so a situation that he, he needs to play. He was so unlucky with what happened, because I agree with you. He started the season as our number one keeper, and, 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 and he had earned that. And um, I mean, there's, there's certain aspects of his game that still could suit what Ralph Rangnick wants. And namely, if you're talking about the distribution of the football, because that is one area that despite how good De Gea is, 
Um, uh, like, I mean, or uh, sorry, beg your pardon. It's one area that, despite how good De Gea is at this moment in time, his ball distribution still leaves a little bit to be desired. And there's also moments in terms of that command of the area. That's one thing that I've always spoken about with Henderson. We noticed a decrease in opposition players when Henderson was playing, marauding down the touchline and lamping balls into the box, and, and particularly from set pieces of putting a set piece right in on the six-yard box on Henderson because his command of the area was so strong that opposition teams, they knew this. Um, now, De Gea gets that a lot because De Gea can be physically pushed around the place. He's, he's a little bit meeker. But for that opportunity against Villa, actually, to touch on it, when Watkins hit the crossbar, I mean, the ball comes down long. Lindelof obviously could have dealt with it better than he did, but he put it in a position where I feel that if Dean Henderson is inside and goals instead of De Gea in that particular moment, Henderson rushes out of the box and hoops that down the field. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know, can, can, can you visualize the exact moment at this time, but there's, there's, there, there's a fine line between the dynamics of a goalkeeper and De Gea's strengths have always been his shot stopping. But he has fundamental errors in his game that have always existed, regardless of the awards that he's received. And Henderson is very, very strong in that area. Now, I don't see any manager, Solskjaer, Raniak, being able to make a decision of dropping De Gea as, as, as how good he's playing at the moment because he's keeping us in games, he's winning us points. So Henderson has that opportunity and that choice to make as to kick off all those boxes, as I said, about getting into the international reckoning, about getting first-team football. And he's good enough as well. Of course he is. But, um, I mean, I would like him to, to get out on loan. I think we have enough of cover there in terms of reserve. How many games has Henderson played this year? So, it's, it's, Yeah, so you're talking about Tom Heaton being there, you know, and he doesn't really get overworked to the points where you're talking about him being overplayed. I mean, the only bearings for a travesty on this is if there was an injury there, but I would like to see Henderson go out on loan and also stay committed to the club because not like a, you, I feel like... It's not a special mention for a league grant committee, no. Lee, Lee, Lee Grant is there. Lee Grant is, is, is holding the fort up. He's, uh, you, you never know. You never know. He just but, never uh, know. You never know with this yeah. club. He's probably set for a new fucking contract. Um, <laughs> but, but before we move on to the main topic of conversation after this game, um, Dion Dublin did mention that Scott McTominay was man the match, which I could not disagree with more. Um, Raphael Varane was faultless against Villa. Out of all the players on the pitch, you're talking about De Gea, it was brilliant. Fran did not make a single mistake at the back. Um, again, he just breathes calmness at the back. Brilliant, brilliant performance again. So it's great to have him back in the team. Another clean sheet. Talking to Gea, talking Varane, responsible for that. So moving on, at least Ragnick is shoring us up a bit at the back. If I want to give any bit of positivity from his time in charge, you know, we leaked so many goals this season, so many stupid goals. We're still conceding from set pieces. Set piece coach is really not doing his job. <laughs> and not and scoring, scoring for him. Yeah, 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 yeah. And actually that, that, that clean sheet against Villa, that was only our second home clean sheet in 20 games. Yeah, that's poor. Like the, 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 the defensive, mm. defensive record, the clean sheet tally needs to really, really improve between now and the end of the season. Um, but the main top, talking point is Marcus Rashford. What is wrong with Marcus, Sean? Where do you start? Um, Where do you start? Well, the thing is, look, look, uh, to, 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 to jump into it, there's people saying that his body language is wrong. Completely agree. Um, people saying that he has an attitude problem. Completely disagree. I don't think they're the same thing. Um, 
you look at players on the pitch. Is he trying? Yes. Are things coming mm-hmm. off for him? They're not. They're not coming off for him. And I think that could be one of the biggest reasons as to why he is unhappy at the moment. I think he's come back from his from his surgery. We and we finally have him pain free. Finally, but things aren't clicking, and and that's making him very, very unhappy. I don't think this is a player that is 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 throwing straps in the dressing room. I don't think he's causing problems. I don't think he, his his body language is as a disrespect to us supporters. I think he is trying, but nothing is working for him at the moment, and and that happens, players, John. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, like I mean, against Villa, particularly when he pushed out left he had so much of the ball and as you said it's just just not quite the last the last little piece just isn't quite coming off for him and he didn't go for the ball when Greenwood played the the low one in now what was strange about that was I didn't think he was going to get to it but effort I think he was just I think he was pissed off with the ball not being played to him but that's not the point and if I'm not going to excuse um, him on being unhappy, or whatever. If if he's not going to make an effort, um, I did I did think in his performance overall, he did try, but in that moment it was it was strange. It was very telling at that moment, Sean, that all is not well, and there's something very very wrong. Well, it certainly looks that way. Yeah, I mean, if if if, if I was put in the spot, gone to head, and and asked to like what what. Why does he look the way he looks? Why are photographs showing him miserable? Personally, I, I, this, the last couple of days, I think they're about two or three years in the making, really. You know, this, this is a guy that broke his back. Like, not just a small injury, he broke his back. He, he played through injury, carried the team for large portions of the last two seasons while not being 100% fit. Um. I suppose I, like many people, questioned the decision to delay the surgery um, to go away with England. But look, that's his own decision. And he's come back and we're hopeful that we've got this guy who's had close to nearly 80, 85 goal contributions over the last two years. Such a young guy, such talent, globally recognized as a superstar and a guy that can really push on to the next level. One of, like, I mean, I, don't, I think it's fair to say alongside Greenwood, you're talking one of the most prolific talents we've had from the youth system. And he's just come back now. And I, I, is, is it a combination of torment on social media, a combination of torment through the media itself from these professionals who have targeted him for his charitable work and the great work he's done outside of football and just continually highlighting for no particular reason that he's taken his, his eye off what is first and foremost the game that puts, I suppose, food on his own table. Yeah, if there's and, one thing that pisses me off, it, it, mm. it's people of the opinion that Rashford um, should focus on his football yeah, uh, yeah. And, and stop trying to feed poor kids. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not interlinked. And if anything, if he was celebrated for, for, for being such a good fucking person, that should mm-hmm. make him feel better, but he's not it celebrated. Should. He's not celebrated for by by everyone because there's people oh. out there that have little problems. I call agendas. them problems, agendas, agendas. And problems. Yeah, yeah, and, and and they can they can't see someone doing good. 
Um, and you look at it as well, like Raniak is, 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 is a guy who is very, very clear and vocal in that his team selection is based on how well players apply themselves in training and how well players uh, uh, try to adhere to his structure and his, his instructions. He openly came out after the game, was asked what's going on with Rashford. And he said himself, I, I don't know. I don't know. But he said he was in the team because he has trained so well in preparation for the game. Now, this is a guy, if he's training that well that the coach is mentioning it in the post-match press conference, yeah, exactly. this is a guy who's trying. He's applying. And at, against Vela, he got so much of the ball. And I, 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 was, I was so happy to see him out wide because every time he got the ball, like we were able to spread the game with such ease. Like, and, and when he got the ball, you're thinking, fantastic. Look, we can spread it. We can, we, 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 we've got this dynamic now. I mean, I'm not against the idea of this 4-2-2-2 system, but you can't just put square pegs in round holes from the get-go. It has to be something that's implemented over time. I mean, United is a team that's built on this foundation of fantastic wing play and marauding wingers, fullbacks. And, and, and Rashford is great at that when he's on tilt. But even when Rashford is during those periods over the last couple of seasons with all those goal contributions, you have those moments where it's frustrating, where it's frustrating looking where he runs sort of head down and he makes wrong decisions. Decision-making is not his best attribute, but it's made up for it with his overall application. No, yeah. no. Yeah. And, and it's made up for with the overall application of what he has. It's just right now, those glorious moments where he puts the ball in the back of the net or lands the ball on a sixpence, like that, that pass to, to Greenwood against Liverpool. And we're at past the, like mm. this 35-yard crossing. They're just not coming off for him. You know, and then the little moments, it's like he's overthinking everything. And I honestly believe with Rashford, he gets a game where two or three of those little moments come into fruition. Gets a goal, gets himself a lovely assist. That'll breed this confidence. I like think so, so many too. players. Yeah. yeah, and like so many mm. players in these squad. They're confidence players. Same with Tony Martial. Tony Martial is the greatest example of a confidence player I think I've ever seen. And, and when things are going against him, like the entire world is against this football team right now. I mean, they're always against the football team, but now they're, they, they're, everything is rubbish, not trying, unhappy, unrest. On top of the fact that someone he admired very much in Solshire has left the club and left the club in such a way that literally left it in tears for the mm. whole world to see. And I, I think people need to realize that these guys are human beings. Rashford has some fantastic, fantastic feelings towards Solskjaer. Rashford is, a, is, is one of his biggest admirers. He loved working with him. Mm. And I think that that can't be brushed aside, that it's affected Rashford as well, that someone who he had admired as such a mentor is now gone as well. Like, you know, and it's interesting things- too. It's very interesting the point though that you say that because Jason Burke from Telegraph did a piece on Wednesday pointing out that Manchester United are to blame for Marcus Rashford's crisis at the moment. That's where he described it. So he said that he has never had a manager at the club that has put his arm around him. And, you know, in, in, in a way that he has developed his game because Van Gaal didn't have much time with him, did bring him through. Mourinho, from what I know, didn't really pay much attention to his attacking players. They were kind of trying out to do what they had to do while the club while well, the team itself tried to control games. And under Solskjaer, it is said that he did not spend much time on the training ground and that when Rashford did ask for help, he didn't get any, which I thought was an interesting note in the piece. Because like you, I was always of the opinion that Rashford held Solskjaer really, really highly. And there was a great working relationship between them because when Solskjaer came in, he spoke about working with the attacking players. So, But according to Jason Bird. 
Rashford didn't get the support he needed from Solskjaer. I just thought that line was very strange in the piece. We do have it on, on, on the blog as well. It pointed out that Manchester United are being blamed for Rashford's crisis, which I personally think is going a bit far. Because I bet you, if you yeah. ask Jason, I'm sorry not to interrupt you, but I bet you if you ask Jason, why are you saying that about Solskjaer? I bet you he joined that press conference where Solskjaer, tongue-in-cheek, made reference to Rashford needing to now pay attention to what he's doing, and first and foremost. And then he had to come out after it and say, oh, like my, my words were completely taken out of, out of context there. We're okay. so proud of him. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you that's what they'll draw you toward. Yeah, no, absolutely. But the, 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 point, the point is, like, he's had three managers now. And to say that he's never been coach, I think, is, 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 a, is a bit bold. Um, mm. I don't think Rashford, if you asked him, would agree with that. Um, because prior to his injury, and pr- yeah, there was a few months where he wasn't playing well. But we were all excited about Rashford coming back from, from, from the shoulder operation. And that's telling that he's such a highly rated player. This isn't someone who we felt we were talking a few months ago was was being coached poorly by managers, you know, not at all. I I, I think he's going through a rough a rough rough patch, and like you, I think if he can get an assist or a goal in the coming weeks, it'll really lift him, really lift him. But it hasn't been a great season for him. No, it hasn't. It hasn't been a great season. But it's 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 literally less than a year that the narrative was Solskjaer knows. There's a noose around his neck. And that the only reason that he's staying in a job is he's overplaying a clearly injured Marcus Rashford who's saving his job. And you're like, that's 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 the narrative back then. And now all of a sudden when Solskjaer isn't there to be the whipping boy, all right, let's let's shift our focus now. Let's shift our focus to the literal walking saint who bleeds this football club and is just going through a bad patch. And instead of maybe just getting behind him and try to big up this player who inevitably could help the nation in the upcoming tournament. Let's just instead just, you know, and then let's just, just let's further emphasize just how poorly he's playing. Like everybody knows it's not going to, to, to plan for him. You know what I mean? Everybody knows that at this moment in time, he's going through a difficult period. But instead of jumping on this bandwagon of really overemphasizing how poorly it's going and, and writing nonsensical articles about how all these gifted football managers have had no time for him and not developed him in any way, shape or form. I feel like it just needs to really, really be reassessed. I really do. You see, the bandwagon, well, uh, you can blame those for jumping on it. It exists because people in in position are are spreading shite. And I'm talking Mm -hmm. about Steve McLaren, who watched the performance the other night and questioned Rashford's attitude. You know, absolute shit talk. And I can see your gesture in the camera. Um, <laughs> like what my, my problem with this is people listen to Sky Sports and are watching it and they, and they take in what people are saying so if Steve McLaren's coming out saying that Rashford has an attitude problem there's a good chance a lot of people listening there are going to take that opinion with them onto social media and, and, and take it as, as truth now I don't claim to know Rashford have interviewed him have dealt with his people close to him I would not put it down to him having an attitude problem at all. I know I've said this already, but for people like Steve McLaren, who knows that in his, in his past jobs has been assistant manager, Strikes Ferguson, his opinion on the club when he speaks, whether we listen to it or not, it carries weight. It makes headlines. 
Um, and it's it's the reason we're talking about it now. I, I just think that people like Steve McLaren need to be more careful what they're saying. Does he know Marcus Rashford enough to say that he has an attitude problem? Is he talking to people close enough to Manchester United to say Rashford has an attitude problem? Because those people, I have never heard from them. It's never been said to me that he has an attitude problem from anyone that's, that's worked with, with him. So it's just... Absolute crap. And you do expect better from people who work with the club. Not only people who work the club, but professionals in the media industry, people in the football industry know how difficult it is and when, when players go through hard times. But then just to quickly jump to the conclusion that it's an attitude problem because his body language isn't quite right. There's a number of reasons why someone's body language doesn't need to be right. I tell you, I, I don't wake up every morning with the, with the best body language. No, no. And I mean, furthermore, to a guy who's been in the game for so long, but he had so many years working alongside the, the best to ever do. It. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it, it's, it's these type of comments, as you said, they add fuel to an already burning fire of negativity and they just add to this narrative and it, it does no good to anybody. I mean, McLaren was there for so long at the football club surely has a strong affiliation toward the football club. You know, I, I mean, you'd expect better, wouldn't you? You really would. You'd expect better. And look, maybe certain words were taken out of context. I mean, it's, it wouldn't be the first time that's happened. But no. yeah, you'd expect better from a guy who has such a holding. I know there's, there's a comical side to, uh, to McLaren. But McLaren has achieved real things in this football. Like he's achieved real things in the game. What he did in Holland, the time that he spent with uh, Sir Alex... I mean, I know he's had some sort of lesser moments as well, but look, that's just part of his persona. I think he would be a good some... character in a, in a satire column. <laughs> <laughs> I think he would. I think Mr. McLaren would, to be honest. But anyway, Sean, thanks so much for, for joining me on, on, on the podcast this week. My pleasure. Um, hopefully we get another win over Villa in the league on Saturday. But um, for, for those of you listening, thanks so much for subscribing and listening to this podcast. Please subscribe to the Stretty newsletter. Really pushing this this year because we're pushing out a lot of content on their analysis, insight into Manchester United. And my recent column on why this is depressing rather than gig and pressing is on that newsletter now. So you can subscribe to that at www.stretty.com substack.com forward slash welcome sean how can people follow you on twitter uh my tag is at sean spelled s-h-a-u-n connolly c-o-n-o-l-l-y 85 brilliant and you can follow stretty news at stretty news and you can follow me at o'donnell dale thanks for listening and we'll speak to you after the villa game sports social podcast network Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.